Welcome to Terrific Tips for Business, where we help you catch the ideas that stick. The point of the podcast is to help you overcome hurdles so you can master your business. I'm your host, Terry Watkins, owner and chief idea catcher at SpinFrogs Consulting, where I work with small business owners to find the pitfalls in their marketing and lift them to success. Let's get to the show. Thank you for tuning in to another Terrific Tips for Business or Terrific Tips for Business. Why? Because you can't spell terrific without Terry. And I'm your host, Terry Watkins. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We've got a special guest with us, Stacy Nicole of Stacy Nicole Interiors. So I bet you can guess what Stacy does. She is an interior designer and decorator, and I'm so excited to have her with us today to share her journey of business ownership because I think that's going to help some of you that might be listening right now. You know, it's really hard to go through the transition of employee mindset when you're used to living that paycheck to paycheck. You need that check, right? But Stacy is one of these amazing people who has been living on commission only status which is what a lot of us small business owners are for over 20 years. So I wanted her to be on the show today to share with us some of her tips and tricks to help her overcome some of those challenges that small business owners have. So join me in welcoming Miss Stacy to the show today. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Terry, for having me on. I'm listening to all those things and I'm like, I don't know if they're tips and tricks. It's more of trial and error, but we'll call them tips and tricks. Yeah. Today, <laughs> um, it's definitely been a lot of, I think, uh, the fire put under my feet and I have to survive kind of thing, um, figuring it out one way or the other. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's what a lot of business owners do, though, Stacey. We, we jump in. We have a passion. We're really good at something, maybe. And we decide, you know what? I just kind of want to set my own hours or I just kind of want to do it my way. I don't want to have to do it somebody else's way. And then we do kind of trial by fire. What's going to be effective, right? (laughs) So what's one of the, one of the trials or one of the fires you, you put yourself through as you started your business. And I know it might be kind of harder to remember now because you've been around for so long. Well, I've been without, I've been commission-based since my oldest daughter that's now 21, since she was 18 months old. But we, um, and from that, as, as a mortgage broker, from that, I transitioned to owning a construction company with my now ex-husband. The biggest where I think I'll start my break is I've had my design firm for 13 years, but I treated it as a hobby until one day I found myself where I had five kids his mind and ours and was now looking at being a single mom. So I had to kind of sit back and evaluate and say, okay, you ran this construction firm successfully. How are we now going to survive? Because one thing I definitely couldn't afford where everyone was saying, I'll go get a job. I couldn't afford childcare for four children. So I had to had no choice, but to figure out how to make my design firm be profitable by trial and error um, to move forward. Cause I had like a girlfriend pointed out, I had four sets of eyes looking at me trying to figure out, well, what's she gonna do next? And that's what I had to kind of figure out from there. So I, I don't wanna say officially started but officially viewed my business as a business for 10, 10 years ago, I would say. 
and it was sink or swim kind of thing. So, and I'm still trying to figure it out little by little, there are adjustments to be made and it's definitely each day a reevaluation. Well, this worked, this didn't work. What can we do differently kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. You just mentioned having a plan is something that really helped you develop what you were going to do when you had to branch out on your own. But what did you do when there was a crisis? I mean, 2008, 2009, we had a market crash. Now we're going through this COVID stuff. Like, how do you deal with the crisis? How does that fit into your plan? So for me on how to deal with the crisis, the lesson I learned through my divorce, (laughs) this advice I received was take your emotions out of it. Take your emotions out of it and step back and pause and evaluate. There's so many different slogans I can come up with right now. I know there's something, I think I even have it posted, that everything works eventually if you unplug it. Sometimes people get into a crisis mode and they just want to keep stuffing something or trying to patch it, patch it, patch it instead of pause. Take your hands off. Let's figure out evaluate. You're going to have to evaluate a little bit quicker. I mean, go through the steps quicker, but you evaluate, you you evaluate and assess the situation, come up with a plan and move forward. You should always have a plan A, B, C, D, Z. Pray you don't ever get to all of them, but this is part of where having backup plans come in. But the biggest thing to dealing with the crisis is to pause and remove your emotions from it and uh, then proceed after you've done some kind of evaluation and move forward. Because anything else, you're just going to end up in another crisis. <laughs> uh, or you're going to just put yourself directly in another crisis. I think that is true when you're talking about a client who maybe is like rubbing, rubbing up on your everlasting nerve and you're like, I am just going to, ah! And then you go and you write that email response back and that, ah, comes through the email. And then the next thing you know, they're not a client anymore. So... <laughs> You want to definitely take the pause. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a great tip. Take the pause. Remove your emotion. Because remember, what people say and do and think and feel has nothing to do with you. Oh, absolutely. And wherever they're coming from has nothing to do with you. So we just have to give each other that grace and that space. Absolutely. And you said that, that grace. My youngest daughter, her name is, her middle name is actually Grace, middle name is Grace Elizabeth. And it's basically Elizabeth, I believe, means Grace. Um, So it does mean Grace. So her name is Grace Grace. Um, And then she said, how come I got that? I said, because I needed a whole lot of Grace. (laughs) I remember that. Um, But yeah, yeah, that was my pause where it's, hold up, let's stop and reevaluate. So, but yeah. So I have to ask, because you have the background in the mortgage industry and then in the construction industry, why design? So I've always loved design, and I'll even take you back a little bit further. When I went to college, um, I wanted to do design, but my being Caribbean, Caribbean, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, or a teacher. Design is a poor man's, um, it's equivalent to a starving artist. Um, Design, I've always had a passion for design, um, got grounded because of interior design at the age, I think 
oh, maybe 11. My parents had just bought their house in Florida, somewhere in there. Well, my mom had bought some fabric, some expensive, by her words, because that's the part I remember on my punishment, <laughs> fabric to make win uh, window panels, drapery panels. And I decided on my summer break, I'm going to help her out. I'm going to make them for her. <laughs> This must be a sign that I guess she does really love me because she could have killed me for <laughs> my sewing skills. I'm still alive here. So um, that was my first thing. I've always had a passion for design. I did go back to school when I was married for design because that was one of the things on the business end where I was looking and saying, where are we losing a lot of money? And a lot of it went to estimating. So I had actually entered a design program with the expectations of learning how to do read plans and draw plans. And then eventually my, well, then husband said, why don't you just finish it? That's obviously what you like, just finish the design program. And that's how I ended up in design. But actually I started off in pre-med. So a lot of, so the science and math plays a lot into my field, people don't realize. But um, interior design is something I've always loved. I feel just like some people in fashion, your space, your, the way your surroundings, your space, whether it affects how you live, sleep, breathe, how you eat, if you overeat, certain colors make you eat too much, certain colors make you thrive, certain spaces, all of those things, um, light in, like we had to just light in, all of those things are part of design. And that plays into your wellness. Um, what I enjoyed the most, which like I said, I couldn't do childcare. So the construction I couldn't do on my own is the ability to be that pop-up mom that I wasn't giving up. My kids know I'm the mom. The teachers wouldn't hesitate to call and I'll be at your school. Didn't matter what I had to drop and it depends on how far I was and how upset I would be. So I really got called to school because I had that pop-up mom career. So Do not need to call Stacy to the school. It's not a good idea. <laughs> you don't want to call me to the school. So um, my oldest son took a little bit longer to kind of catch on to it, but he's like, how did you know? Dude, <laughs> I'm here. They just call and I'm here. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> I know in a heartbeat. And that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges a lot of small business owners have, their parents too. And so they decided to go out on their own because they wanted to have that freedom and that flexibility so that they too could always know and um, bust their kids when they're doing wrong things, right? That was me. Oh, no, we had one of those incidents too. <laughs> <laughs> we did. But, you know, it's it's really interesting to learn a little bit about the science and the math side of design because a lot of people, myself included, I'm an artist, think of design as it's just colors and knowing which colors go together, right? So enlighten us a little bit. How does science and math play a role in our design? So a lot from the simplest, um, and I don't have a wellness certification, so I'm not speaking science. So even from, and I'm just giving you from one spectrum to the next. So there's something called a well, W-E-L-L certification, which deals with um, the air quality. The air quality is not just the flow of the mechanical air, but also um, how much greenery is inside. So we spend more time indoors than we do outdoors. 
that's a big, I don't remember the percentage. We miss market. So I, I would say we spend at least 75% of our day indoors, even more now. So with that, your environment matters. Um, the science would be from one end on the wellness where I think Dell and a couple of plants, maybe 2015-ish, started bringing live greenery indoors. Their cafeteria started changing. On homes, not everybody has a green thumb. You can bring greenery in, light in. Um, my big thing that we knew as designers in school years ago, everyone wants an LED light to save energy, which we get, but on the design aspect, it's the quality of light and it changes your mood. Even back in the days when they used to have fluorescent lighting in public schools and that buzzing would give kids headaches. So all of this, this is just part of, that's just light and design. Then in the science part of it too, weight, um, everybody's working from home. You're spending more hours sitting here behind your chair, the height of your table, the size of your chair, the width, the weight it can hold, all of that helps that science on you being able to sit and work, you know, for extended period of time, periods of time, even from um, working on dual screens, the height of your, and this is just the technical that's in front of me. We haven't even got on the color. Um, <laughs> everybody knows putting green in the bedroom, green encourages on the walls, you want to eat more. Those are one of the colors that make you want to eat more. So just certain things, even in, that's just paint colors, textures, all of those things, um, that's part of design and the science of it, because there's a scientific behind it. You don't want to bend your neck too much looking at your camera this low, all of that science. So that's just, I mean, we can go on for hours on different science. You give me one thing, I'll show you the science in it. Then of course the obvious math part of it in computating the material and finishes. You know, paint colors, you have to be able to computate, computate, excuse me, how many gallons of paint you need to do a room and this and that. So there's a lot, there's a lot. So we see on HGTV and I'm gonna sidebar us really quick. <laughs> I have to ask. I know my listeners are now thinking, hmm, what about this? So on HGTV, we see them talking about accent walls all the time. Is there a, no, oh, you're shaking your head no. Uh, okay. <laughs> is there a benefit or anything to having an accent wall or is there a science behind having an accent wall? Like what's the fascination with this? I, I think it, it's more of an affordability. Me, myself, I always encourage clients, set a budget. Let's go room by room and finish one at a time. That does a lot. You're able to see where your money's going instead of spreading things out. But I think because of, like you mentioned, HGTV and other vendors out there where people can kind of buy by price instead of by need. Don't get me wrong. You can, there's times for an accent wall but I don't feel it's for every space. It depends on the room, like my room would actually work with an accent wall. You can't see the full shape of it, but that's because, too, probably because I know how to make accent walls. So let me give that first um, disclaimer. Like the wall behind me would be a great accent wall, but that wouldn't. And they're different things. So with accent walls, like in any design, to give you a more scientific, it's about balance. 
So if you have something here that's different than the others, you kind of have to tie it together. I think the accent wall, TV's for entertainment, and not to take away from the designers that are on HGTV, because there are some very talented designers, it's meant to entertain you. <laughs> and that's what it's doing. Um, you may pick up tidbits of educational, but HGTV is TV meant to entertain you. That's what it's there for. Um, or maybe possibly give you some ideas so that you can call okay. with Stacey to help you make it happen. <laughs> yeah, but the thing too, the ideas they're giving you, but too, it's TV. So you see, I think the, I don't even watch HGTV, but I'm pretty certain they don't have a show longer than 30 minutes, which yeah. means the actual show without commercial is what, about 20, 18 minutes long? Yeah. We know a project takes way longer than that. So it's just the kind but of you can't like come in and teleport a wall to be a different exactly. color and like oh, teleport <laughs> and furniture around and all of that and the surveys that just got done, you know. But it so not to take away from TV, uh, HGTV, it's kind of taken with the greatest salt. Everything is not as it seems. Um, it, it's not as it seems. You always need professional advice and guidance. There are many things we can do for ourselves and they turn out, eh, or they turn out really, but it really looks different when a professional does it. Um, in any, any field, like we mentioned, we were talking about earlier before we started taping about me trying to tackle my marketing from my design knowledge, that looks different than someone that has the marketing knowledge tackling it. So it's, Similar kind of parallels. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you shedding some light on that because I know that's something that people are like, well, yeah, we tune, tune into flip, love it or list it or flip that house, you know, and all the different like shows that exist on that. I, my mother-in-law is a huge like HGTV really? fan. So she watches like endless things and gets all these wonderful ideas. And thankfully yeah. she's married to a handyman who can oh, make a lot of those ideas fun. happen. <laughs> And they have no um, disillusion that it's going to get done in 15 minutes. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So going back to, you know, you being a business owner, you have five children. Is that correct? Well, I have four. So my step, the fifth one was my stepson. Okay. Uh, so he's now in the Navy. So I have four now with me. Well, two now with me, two adult children. Okay. Uh, so children definitely throw a monkey wrench into keeping a level head, keeping organization and a planning place for the business. What are some of the things that you did as, as a working mom who was working commission only? So you needed to make things happen. There was no like, Oh, I cannot worry about it. You're a single mom, you're a working mom and you had to make that income happen in order to support those kids. What were some of the challenges that came up for you doing that? So for me, in interior design school, another secret, um, they don't really give us, at least in our design program, it's more focused on design and the aspects of design. They show us how to present our design to the client. We briefly go over contract, but we definitely didn't go over business skills. Um, and most of the designers, I don't know if it's because it's mainly females are not comfortable discussing money, but there's no true business plan. So for me, I had to truly come up with a business plan. 
the thick one, like if I were applying for an SBA loan, as well as a daily, this is what the plan is. I write things down. Um, I have a digital planner. I have, so the most successful I've been is consistent. I had a, I have a personal planner, a business planner, and a digital that ties everything together. If it doesn't get written down and then you go back and re and remember, I'm older. <laughs> I've been doing it for a while. There's shortcuts you can take, but you're not going to get there because you're going to miss something. Um, so for me, definitely having a concise plan, knowing my worth, that's something that no matter what I've tried, I always... I come back to my work just because there are times you're going to come around across customers that don't value what you have. You have to know your worth. You have to understand your industry. You have to have those honest evaluations with yourself. Um, for me, Sunday is my planning day. We're closed Sunday and Monday. Um, and that's my rest and planning day. I do truly sit down and I plan things out. It's to have the best that we can, especially being a woman in business, separate business and personal hours. Um, meaning you still kind of have to want to have fun. You can't work all the time. Not to say there aren't weeks that I've gone 15 days at straight for you know, maybe 16 hours. I mean, from crash, wake up, roll out to crash back in the bed, but you can't make that a habit because you'll burn out. So it's basically to have a plan, stick to the plan, reevaluate the plan and be honest with yourself in your evaluation. Um, I think a lot of people with just my personal opinion with social media, they judge a lot of what people are putting on social media as their success when they don't know what's actually behind the scenes. It can be just that little snap. You don't see the whole perspective of what's going on. So I think some people try to rush things too. You kind of have to let things work at its pace that it needs to go. Um, so there's so many things. We, we can go for hours. <laughs> yeah. There, there are. So you, you touched on being consistent with your plan, but having a plan. And then taking the time to reevaluate that plan. And those are all really good key things. So the first question that I have is, how often should you reevaluate that plan? You mentioned that you kind of put your head down and look at what's going on on your business every week. Are you reevaluating the plan every week? Or are you just looking at on your plan, what are the next steps that I need to take? So with any plan or goal, you kind of break things down into in step in any and everything we do. I, and it depends on each person is different. If it's working, you want to always see, well, what's working? Why is it working? How can I improve it? If it's not working, what's not working? So for me, I do a weekly check-in just because I realize that paces me out and you so put it this way, let's take laundry. <laughs> you can either do laundry every week and have a little bit to do, or you can do it once a month and have a lot to do. So for me, it's better to kind of break it off into chunks and, and into small pieces instead of having a big chunk. Definitely, you're going to do a deeper evaluation quarterly. Um, and then each with each level, you do different ones. One thing that I did in an evaluation, because my business tends to slow down after Christmas. 
Um, and my kids know that from, I don't know, sometimes I work right up to the 23rd for some people last minute, but the 26th, 27th to the first part of the year, that's my, let's reevaluate for the year. So that's definitely a different one. And one of the things that I realized this year, because I'm always calculating, I know I'm making this amount of money. I know I'm not spending and I'm cheap as crap and I'm budgeting, but where is it going? And then I myself had to realize something that my CPA had been telling me for years, I wasn't billing. I was missing, losing a lot of hours, not billing for conversations and emails and callbacks, which is work. That's work. Um, so people will be surprised if you're having a problem with profitability. I think if they reevaluate the full picture and kind of look at what's going on, it's kind of like when you go for a well check, they don't just look at one thing. They look at everything that's going on. So I would definitely, my weekly is usually looking back at what did work, what didn't work, what got done that needed to get done. Do I need to put that off into another two weeks, whatever, or do I need to just move it over? Do I need to delegate it? Um, that kind of thing. So it's def So I think when people are self-employed, it's not a free fall. It's no different than when you were working for someone else as a W-2 employee, you actually had these check-ins. You had a checklist in your job description, kind of. So it just worked a little bit differently. Self-employed, your mind's just thinking a little bit differently, slightly different. Yeah, that's very true. And I love that you kind of highlighted some of those check-ins and what it is that you're evaluating when you do those, because that's going to help our listeners who maybe are dealing with some of that transition mindset, right? Like what, yeah. what am I, sh what should I be doing? And we don't want to should, I don't like the word should, right. um, but what could I be doing? What, yeah. what could I be doing that could make a difference in my business? And I had a second question and I've lost it. <laughs> you gotta just cut me off if I'm talking too much. I apologize. You are not talking too much. You are awesome. You do not need to apologize. It is good. Um, are there any tools or tricks or like it, what's one of the, let's rephrase this. What's one of your favorite tools to use that helps you stay organized? You mentioned the planner, the digital calendar. Is there other tools that you leverage that help you accomplish your goals on a weekly basis? So I don't know if I can narrow it down to one. I would be honest and say this before I even think, I'm trying to think of which one I can say I can't live without. I think a lot of people, we've kind of gotten dumb, I think, so I'm saying this, because we walk around with a handheld computer and the computer does a lot of thinking for us. So we've kind of forgotten how to just simplify things. Um, so that's one. But on the flip side, we walk around with a handheld computer that can help us keep so many things in place. I know one thing that another thing that I constantly reevaluate and you know, when you start off business and you have the surplus and you buy more things and then you kind of go back and say, well, did I use that? I'm very frugal. Um, if, it, if I don't need it, I'm not going to pay for it. If I need it, I'm going to pay for it. So even with that said, I don't know what. So I think I can do it this way. Um, my phone, my iPad, what software? I don't know. You said like a, hmm. 
because my market, my, I would say this. So for me being a designer, I build services as well as product. I, it took me a while to find the right application. I even tried to do it in-house that brought everything into one place. That's what I would say. Whatever for your industry works to bring it into one place and kind of instead of having 10 different apps or 10 different things, you need to have one thing that makes sense. You may have to have three that work together. I think it's more things working together. So my phones, I am a, a Mac person, all three, and I have three phones. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and an iPad. Um, but the phones and the phones, the computer and the iPad, they communicate through iCloud. So that's one thing I think is necessary. It's the best form of communication. Um, my documented, so if I had to do, so what I'm using for documented again, so that would be my bookkeeping app, which helps me do keep track of my clients, um, where we are kind of track the project. So if I don't remember off the top of my head, I can look and see, this is what I did in my software. It logs in what time I do this, what time I do that. So I'm able to communicate. It took a while to find that. Um, then it'll show me where I am in the phase of the project. Are we on contracts? Are we ordering? Do we have outstanding invoices? Do I need to build? Because in the beginning, I think that's where, of the other mistakes that I've made, there were times that I remember getting too deep into a project and had not gotten paid because I'm just moving along. And that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> so a doc, some kind of documentation of where you are in something. And it may be not my software that I use is industry specific. Um, I do know for years I've avoided using um, HubSpot and I'm still learning it. But that's one way to kind of keep a track of. And what I like about HubSpot it links all of my conversations. I can put my phone calls, the phone calls are logged, the emails are logged, what um, questionnaire they filled out, all of that. That's how it's ideally to work, but it still takes a brain behind it. So documentation is key because while we're walking around with handheld computers, our brain is not a computer. And at some point it's gonna fry and frizz out. Um, <laughs> well, so, and not only that, you can't duplicate yourself just from your brain. You yeah. have to have your written process. There, yeah. there has to be some documentation of your flow yeah. uh, in order for you to duplicate yourself so that you can, as they say, if you're an entrepreneur, you're never going to be a business owner until the business can operate without you. That means you can go on vacation for a month and still get paid. <laughs> but that's not going to happen if you don't document that process. So that's, that's super, true. super key. That's true. You have a lot of great knowledge, Stacy. You've shared so many awesome tips. I mean, one of the one of the things that you mentioned earlier too was making sure that you don't compare yourself to where you are to others on social because people are sharing their best look on social, they're sharing their best self on social, and if you take the time to compare yourself to where they are, you're going to hold yourself back. You might find yourself feeling more depressed because you're in that comparison mode instead of focusing on the awesome value that you bring. You also mentioned bringing your own value, knowing what your value is. 
gosh, that's important. And I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, how did you figure out what your value was so that you could stick to it? Um, so I'm the oldest of two. Um, and I'm Caribbean. So we're, my parents are loving, but they're strict loving. <laughs> and I think for value, so a couple of things, just like I had mentioned my daughter saying that I always have these saying, sayings. My father has the same thing. I know one of the things when I first started dating, my dad would always say, know your worth. And I'm like, but he's cute. And I don't know, you know, dad, see one thing you don't. So that's always stuck in my head, know your worth. And also, as I got older, he said, people don't live in glass houses. And that means people always present what they want to and say what they could, but you're not seeing what's actually going on. So from my early youth, that's just been my thing. I don't judge myself by others. And I know my worth. I'm okay with saying you're not the client or maybe I'm not the designer for you is the polite way to say it. And I can walk away. But that took a while because too, when I, when I first started, I would take every client because my thing was, I love design. I'm going to help everyone. No, <laughs> that doesn't work. Not every client is for you. So knowing your work, that truly just comes from, I don't know, just having that conversation. It's been a part of me for so long. I can't tell you where it started. Other than that, maybe the eighth grade and my dad kind of drilling that in my head, know your work. Um, and it's not just, your worth isn't necessarily even a dollar amount. It's just knowing your whole overall package and your value. Not everybody is going to appreciate what you bring to the table. And that's okay. Just like in personal relationships, you didn't date every, you, you're with the person that you chose to be with, not the person that chose to be with you. Same thing in a business relationship. That's kind of how I equate your work. You've got to know your work that way. I think that's probably the simplest way I can put it. <laughs> that's really funny that you relate business relationships to dating. My husband does that a lot. Really? Uh, yeah. He always relates business relationships to dating because, okay, so you met at a networking event. You met out at a bar. Okay. Mm -hmm. You had a good conversation. They asked for your number. You exchanged numbers. You agreed to date another date. You're going to go check it out and see if you guys have a synergy that you can get along. That sounds an awful lot like networking and having a one, right? Okay, so then you come to the realization that you do have a synergy. There is something you can do together. So you decide to do that project. Well, now you're in a relationship. You're dating that relationship, right? Well, in order to keep it working, you have to have great communication. There you go. That C word. <laughs> yeah, there's that C word again, communication. And great communication is not just how well you talk to somebody else how well you listen when they're talking too, and that you're not just listening to respond, but you're listening to understand. So there's that communication word. And that is true in every relationship, whether it be a business relationship or a dating relationship. So it really is interesting that you related the two. It's funny. <laughs> they're really connected. And you hit on something my teenage son said, because um, you know, I have four kids and they have got to use this. They, I feel like they figure because it's four of them, they can say the same thing and it's somehow going to outweigh, but my word, no, I'm still the adult. You're still the kid. But he used to always, he used that, that try to use that on me in an argument and said, um, you're listening to answer back. You're not listening to hear me. 
And I had to correct him on that one. I said, that's a valid point. You would need that down the road. But in this instance, it doesn't apply because I'm mama. <laughs> your, your answer right now is a hypothesis, not even a thesis. I've actually tried things and done it and failed. So yeah. Um, it's an unproven method, sir. <laughs> Exactly. But communication is key. And I think part of communication and business comes honesty. Um, I've had some excellent experiences in business and I've had some not so excellent experiences in business. And I'm honest enough to say the ones that were not positive, I at some point had red flags and chose to not act on those red flags and stop. Because there are times, too, where you're in a survival mode and you're worrying about, well, I need to cover this bill, so I'm going to go ahead with this client. And in actuality, you should not have. So that's some, a lesson that I've learned in that um, communication is key on both ends with people being able to say what they honestly can deliver or can't deliver, as well as the client being honest in what they expect and what they are willing to pay for where their money is. Because um, you know, you're dealing with money too in part of this relationship. I'm trying to remember why initially, so I guess we're having both a little bit of memory loss issues today. But um, communication is definitely key. It, it's, business is a relationship. That's yeah. not just a motto that some people put in there. It is about a relationship. You're coming to me to help. And I don't see how any business owner can think that business, you can't, you have to connect with people on some level of personal experience and able to deliver that excellent customer service, no matter what it is you're selling. Well, um, you've just opened Pandora's box for a whole other sidebar uh, conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big catchphrase in the industry, right? Is the idea of authenticity and transparency. <laughs> And we find that, you know, marketing agencies and people everywhere are talking about being authentic and being genuine. And I feel like it is being overused because it is not being used correctly. Mm -hmm. um, you're spot on. You have to be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself first, you will never be honest with anybody else. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You have to be honest with yourself first. You have to ask yourself the hard questions and you have to give yourself the honest answer. Even if the honest answer is, yeah, I fucked that up today. Exactly. And this is what I can do to fix it. That's right. Um, so, so good. So good. Hey, I want to respect your time and our listeners. This has been an awesome, awesome conversation. Awesome. I so appreciate your insights and the value that you bring to the table. So with that in mind, the people who are listening probably want to be able to get in touch with you. What's going to be the best way for them to do that so that they can be like, hey, save me some money on my interior design, <laughs> especially um, since you're so thrifty. We love that. <laughs> so um, either you can go to my webpage, www.stacynicole.com, and it's Stacy with a Y, now, uh, but no E, or email me directly, Nicole at stacynicole.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Enjoy the conversation. Yeah. Do you have a particular service area that you're able to provide services to? Oh, 
meaning specialty. So design is design. If it's inside the building, we've got it. <laughs> um, but I mean like location-wise. Oh, location-wise? Oh, no, I travel. Um, yeah. We just relocated three years ago, so I'm grateful to have the traffic here, which is not traffic from the Maryland, D.C. area. Um, so typically, depends on the size of the project, 35, 45-mile radius of Cary. Um, but we have done projects in Charlotte since I've been here. Um, I'm waiting to get a beach project. I would love to get something on the beach. Ah. Um, so my thing is to kind of touch on all the aspects of design. Because, again, I'm developing relationships. Some people may have beach homes that live here. They already trust me. Why not I travel out there? So we don't limit ourselves to that for that reason. But we do travel. And we have traveled out of state. We have clients in Georgia as well. So, yeah, I'm not a tree, so I'm not rooted anywhere. I can get up and go wherever I need to go. So I love it. I love it. Thank you for letting our listeners know that because we have listeners all over the country. So to know that you can serve them wherever they are is cer certainly a value that I know they appreciate. So thank you. You're welcome. Great speaking with you. And thanks for having us. Thanks so much for being here. We'll okay. talk to you more soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed the show, help us share it by leaving us a review. Also, make sure to follow us at SpinFrogs, that's S-P-I-N-F-R-O-G-S, at Facebook and Instagram to be notified about our future episodes.